the 25th pick in the 2015 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Shaq Thompson. The Carolina Panthers have selected Kristen McCaffrey. The Carolina Panthers select DJ Moore. With the 16th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Brian Burns. Carolina Panthers select Derek Brown. With the eighth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select J.C. Horn, defensive back, South Carolina. Welcome back. Beards Watch Podcast, episode 248. Charleston One Podcast recorded in the basement. It is now post-2021 NFL Draft. Everybody everywhere seems to have loved the Panthers picks. I know Duvall might have some quarrels with some. If you watched our reaction video, go check that out on YouTube. We got every single pick and all that good stuff on there. I mean, it was a fun night. We had a good amount of time throwing every jersey up of every team that picked. Duvall was here. Travis came down from Virginia. Uh, Jeeves came over. Brittany, Jerrianna, and all that good stuff. And congrats to Jerrianna for notching her third win in the pick mock draft challenge. John Long would have won until the very last pick. Jerrianna did get... The very last pick, if you watch the video, I did con- confirm on her sheet she had that whoever the 32nd pick was to the Bucks. Weirdly yeah. enough, someone who doesn't really study the draft at all, she's won it three times. So it wasn't any conspiracy there, and I checked all her other stuff. So, yeah, wildly enough, Duvall almost had it, but John Long was there until the very last pick. All right, let's see. Duvall, got the Frederick Douglass going. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing pretty good, man. Got my hair out today, man. It's it's real, y'all see it like this, man. But you know, I'm still keeping the quarantine hair. But uh, I'm good, man. Of course, we'll get into the picks. But if you're looking for me, it's Rod versus Duval on Twitter, just Duval on Instagram. All right, Jeeves, been a couple weeks. You yep. brought over and donated a nice uh, Ricky Williams Miami Dolphins jersey for us to use on the video. I did. So how you been there yep. with your Dwayne Jarrett hiding behind you? Yeah, and I got I got pet back there too. Okay. Well, I'm okay. doing good. I'm doing good. Work's been work's been crazy now that I got that new position at Carolina Cat, but we're making it work. Um, if you guys want to find me, it's Jeeves1988 uh, all across the board. All right, and Caleb, he's back. I think he's in a good mood, so it should be an overall decent, non-angry pod, but who knows? How you doing, <laughs> Caleb? Yeah, man, I'm good. I, I, I can't. Remember the last time the Panthers made me as happy as they did this past weekend. So, so, so we're living good right now. All right. Where can you be found if you want to be found? Uh, at Caleb Combs on both Twitter and Instagram. All right. For me, JRL Nation, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, the Beards Watch Podcast, and then find our podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And then I mentioned YouTube. They see me rolling. Go subscribe. Brew reviews. As I mentioned, our reaction video of all 32 picks mixed in with some friends. Caleb, what happened, man? You didn't send me a video. Truthfully, you want to know where I was Thursday night? Truthfully, yeah. Softball game. I had a softball game that started right at 8.30, so I was following everything on Twitter. I didn't even watch the first round. See, that would have been epic if you could have somehow had someone like recording you in the outfield or wherever you were or just turned around and been like, Caleb, how did you find out who they picked? Uh, It was Twitter, and I was a couple minutes behind because we were in the field when the Panthers came on the clock. Yeah. you know, I went out there thinking, huh, Justin Fields, J.C. Horn, are we yep. trading back? And I came back to find out it was J.C. So okay. I didn't have my phone on me when the pick happened. Okay. I thought about it, though. Okay, fair enough. Next time, you can do what Adam does, and he just 
fakes it in a way, and he just sends a reaction video of him just sitting there in the quiet and saying yes or no or cheering or whatever. But okay. you know, yeah. we got we got yeah. plenty other years more to do this. Hopefully, yeah. so we'll keep it going. I think- I did enough last year with how mad I was. So I <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you did. You did. You made up. Now you're yeah. back. You broke even now after the good, yeah. great reaction from the Derrick Brown with the no reaction yeah. this year. So it's all good. We won't hold it against you. But, yes, so go find us all those reactions. Uh, and I appreciate everyone who did send them out. It just, you know, enhanced the video a little bit with other fans. So they see me rolling and all that good stuff. So let's get to it. Adam was supposed to be on the pod, but he has some boyfriend duties. So that's why he was a last-minute scratch there. But no worries, we still got four strong. We'll be able to break it down. We will start. I want to start with Duvall just because in the reaction video, Duvall kind of gave a, oh, man. I know he wanted fields, but Duvall, give us how you felt in the middle as the pick happened, and then how are you feeling now on Tuesday? Okay, so so the, the one thing about it was, you know, I've been told I'm not an emotional person, but when it comes to certain things, I get emotional. So my emotion was definitely showed on Thursday. Um, I wanted fields. I just felt like at that particular time, one, I think to some degree the Darnold pick was strictly because they didn't think fields was going to fall to them at eight. And for him to fall to us at eight, you still were kind of playing with house money. It's like, okay, you know what? We can get fields. And if he does something, or if Darnold does something this year, we can find him as trade bait or whatever the case is. Um, and for us to give that up, it, it, it kind of hurt because I feel like he's going to go somewhere. He's going to be very well. Now, will he be as successful? That's still to be determined because, I mean, you got to see how he does up in Chicago. We got to see how Sam Darnold does here. I mean, if we win a Super Bowl here, you can go back and I can say, man, I'm glad we made the decision we made. Um, and J.C. Horn does a pick six for, to win a Super Bowl. Cool. Um, now, three, four, five days removed from the first pick, um, I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, I, I kind of see the, the the transition as far as one after seeing the rest of the draft, but also seeing doing a little bit more digging on the prospect J.C. Horn, just because we haven't had that top tier type of a defensive back or corner in some time. I mean, we had Josh Norman for a year prior to him. We had like Chris Gamble, which to some degree, may not be as dominant as Horn could be. Um, so, so it's, it's still waiting to see. Um, like, like I said, as you saw in the reaction, I was still a little, I was a little hurt because this is the year, second year in a row that the Panthers have done me the way that they have. Last year, I was totally <laughs> expecting um, my boy Isaiah Simmons, who ended up going to Arizona, which Derrick Brown still did well, and we'll still see because I'm going to follow both their careers as the years go. But um, but but it, we'll, we'll wait and see. Like I said, I'm, I'm still positive. I'm optimistic, especially because of how the rest of the draft went. We're gonna be optimistic. I think Horn's a great talent, and um, I'm really looking forward to see what he's able to do on on, on the defense side of the ball. So if you haven't watched our reaction videos, Duvall is the type of guy who walks out when things go bad. He's a walker outer, is what I like to call him. If you watch all the during the games when it's a bad play. He gets up from the couch and he walks out of frame because that's just that's just what he does. Sometimes he'll reach down low and, and yell or something. So Duvall did that again, not during the reaction video, but by the time the Broncos pick came, he was already outside on the phone with his pops trying to rational, yep. just rationalize yep. what just happened. I don't think he made it back until the Cowboys traded back or whoever we were at 10 or 11 or whatever it was. Did you get to see the Justin Fields pick? I don't even think you were back for Justin Fields getting picked. No, because no, remember they, he got a they, second call. 
Yeah, ah, yeah. yeah. Dad, he got another call. Yes. Oh, yeah, Justin, Justin, Justin called me. Yeah. And I was like, what happened was I, I saw, I knew immediately when they traded up, I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, I know who they're going to get. Nobody thought he was going to fall this far because if he fell to 15, New England was going to take him. Yeah. And now you've heard reports that Minnesota would have taken him. So it's like, you know, it's, we'll, we'll see. I, yeah. I'm still a little, little weary on it, but I, I think just with time, with anything else, I came around and I'm, Remaining positive and, and, and trying to move forward. Okay. Now, Caleb, go ahead and let us know how you felt. Okay, so we're just talking eight right now, right? Just give Yeah, we'll start eight. with eight, and then we'll go for the okay. rest. All right, yeah. so so I think all of us last week kind of said it was going to be probably Horn or Slater. We yeah. thought it might be a trade back, but the, that was all of our guess. Um, you know, I, I think – I think that it's going to be a really solid pick a few years down the line. I think once the board fell the way it did and Sewell was gone, I think the riding was on the wall. Um, uh, as far as Panther fans were upset because they think they could have gotten Horn at 12 or whatever, I disagree. I, I think Denver and I don't think Dallas trades back if, if Horn's there. Um, uh, and the rumor all day Thursday was that New Orleans was trying to get inside the top 10 to get a cornerback. So, so that was certain or horn. Um, so I, I'm totally cool with the horn pick. Um, as far as Justin Fields goes, you know, I think we all said last week too, we were, we'd be okay if they took Justin Fields. Like none of us would be really pissed, but the more I think about it, the more of them taking fields would have been a slap in the face to Sam Darnold. And, and I think it would have told, and a lot of his problem is reported that it's all mental. And I think that, that just totally makes the Sam Darnold trade pointless if you would have brought Justin Fields in. And I also think if they would have loved another quarterback other than Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, they would have moved up to where San Fran did before they did. I think how aggressive Tepper was trying to be and Fitter and Rule were trying to be to go after quarterbacks, whether it was Stafford or Watson, they would have made that move to three before San Fran did. I don't think they loved anybody. I, I truly think that they didn't think another quarterback in this draft was worth uh, uh, those three first-round picks to go to three. And then once it fell to eight, I don't think they liked Justin Fields. I, I think if it was Trey Lance, they might have taken him. Um, See, I think I, that's I think that's opposite. I think they they didn't like Trey Lance because they're kind of in like that win – not a win-now mode, but they don't want to have another 6-11 and 11 or whatever the weird new stuff's going to be with 17 games or whatever. I think they did like Fields. I think J.C. Horn was just so high up on is high was a higher rated player on their board than it was. And I think I don't know the slap in the face would have been interesting, but I'll counter you when when they traded for Darnold and they asked Rule about like Bridgewater's feelings. Now they already we already knew Bridgewater was going out the door. He was like, I don't I don't care about feelings or fairness in professional sports. So I don't know if that's it, but I do I do believe you. In, in that essence, it would have been kind of like counterproductive to have two young guys there. I also think you look at it like this: if Sam Darnold isn't on a team and he's in this draft class, where does he go? Yeah. If the Panthers have him above Justin Fields uh, that can win now, then they basically drafted Sam Darnold with a second round pick next year. As yeah. Of right now. Yeah. You know, so and, and I've heard from you know sources or you know, journalists out there from their sources saying that they had Sam Darnold as the third best quarterback or second best quarterback in this draft necessarily. And a uh, rule was on WFNZ today. And he made a really good point with that eighth pick. You could have Justin Fields 
which means you would have two quarterbacks and no cornerbacks. Now they have a quarterback and a cornerback. So Well, I'll still say TBD on the quarterback. Like we have yes. one, we have one, but, but it's it's. But, a, but if you take Justin Fields at eight, you still are TBD on a quarterback. Yeah, well, nobody knows if he's going to be. That's good. true. That's true, and that's what, and that's, yeah. and I think that's the only downside to pass on a guy who could have potentially gone two overall. Yep. Is we could be exactly at this spot next year. Now, yeah, then we'll at least hopefully have an elite, an on the rise elite cornerback. Yep. But we're yep. you know as every team knows. You don't win without a quarterback. So yeah. this is a big deal, and we'll see if they have to keep swinging next year or will Sam Darnett light it up and we'll be good to go. And, and I'm the first person that's been beating the quarterback drum since the day Teddy Bridgewater signed his contract last yeah. year. I've been beating on a new quarterback. I've wanted one. And, you know, there's two ways to build a roster. You have a superstar quarterback and then you fill around, or you build an elite roster and then you find a quarterback. And if the Panthers are building an elite roster and then eventually have to go out and find a quarterback, I'm okay with that, like a Sam Fran this year. Yeah. But when you have that roster and then you make that move, which, you know, maybe they get lucky and it is Sam Darnold and they don't have to make that move. Or, you know, now that they are building this great roster and Sam Darnold doesn't work out, they make that move and go get the Oklahoma quarterback or, or Sam Howell. Aaron Rodgers. You know? Yeah, or Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Which I don't know. I mean, I, Brady I winning the Super Bowl definitely helps that case of yep. go, an old guy can still do it. You know what I mean? But, I, yeah. I think two things have de- definitely happened with that eighth pick. Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn are always going to be measured against each other for, from Panther fans, and Sam Darnold and Justin Fields' careers are always going to be measured from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, the tip-off from the trade-up and, like, you know, the, the – the, what Chicago gave up, you know, a one next year is pretty enticing, but they would have had a drop from eight to what, 20? And yep. as we heard Fritter say, they only had 15 players rated as number, you know, first over or number one first round picks. So I don't think they were going to risk dropping to that 20th spot. Those corners weren't going to be there. It was going to be, if we took fields, it was going to be Sertan or, or uh, JC Horn back to back to the Broncos and the Cowboys. And that's what it had been. And we would have ended up with somebody on the board or we would have traded out. And at that point, they're not looking to be in the top ten every year. So there's that that chance of getting the elite the elite talent. So I'm with it. Like I said, the only person that would have made me mad if they took was Mac Jones. And I knew they weren't taking him. So I was completely fine because they made the quarterback move. And it's not like, I mean, Darnold's younger than, you know, Burrow, as we've said. He, he went number three overall for a reason. So there is the talent there. Now we'll just like us if, if Joe Brady can make him a decent quarterback, a good quarterback, he'll have the pick of any job, and we may find our guy. But if not, then we'll you know keep building. And quarterbacks always slide too. You know, we you don't have to always trade up to three or get you know get the one. Look pick. at Chicago. That's look what I'm saying. Chicago this year. Yeah. So. That's what I mean. So even though if, you know you look at all the drafts, oh five quarterbacks are going to go in the top five. I, they always slide because there's other players there and then there's other teams that do other things. So I'm not too worried, worried about it, but I do, you know, your other point of in build the elite roster. I think that's what they're working on doing. And then hopefully they'll try to sift through and find a QB at some point via Sam, via who knows, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know who it could be, but I don't want to end up though being like the Colts in a stance to where I feel like you're taking, you know, you can't find that guy, but 
it's like the Jets and, and, you know, I mean, the Browns before Mayfield. And it's what I was worried about last year when they signed Teddy and got rid of Cam. You can be in a quarterback abyss for yes. years and years and years. And, and, you know, there's a chance they are. And I'm telling you, not taking Justin Fields and keeping Sam Darnold, I feel like the fan base is already split on Matt Rule, which I love Matt Rule. I, I think he's a great in-game coach. I think he's a great motivator. I love hearing him speak, and I think he does well on game day. But you can tell the fan base is already kind of iffy on him, and I guess it's the Cam Newton-Teddy Bridgewater situation that started that off. But if Justin Fields ends up doing well and Sam Darnold doesn't work out, <laughs> this fan base will be totally <laughs> against that. Yeah. It's going to be really ugly. Yeah. But, you know, it, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting my trust back with Matt Rule. He lost it all after those shenanigans. I think he learned – from the Cam shenanigans, how to better manage it? He managed the Teddy Bridgewater thing a little bit better. I mean, he, he's he's you could tell he always wants to speak his mind, but he is starting to learn that it's not college at in Waco, Texas, where you can say whatever you want and no one's going to crucify you. This is the NFL. You know, Jacksonville hired a strength coach that you know had beat his wife or whatever, and they immediately and they're like, "Wait a second, we're in Jacksonville. What? No one should care about this." No, they do in the NFL, no matter what kind of thing. So, you know, he's slowly getting on me. It growing on me and getting my trust back. But, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. But it will be interesting to see how those careers go. And hopefully we're not in abyss. But to get past the first round, I mean, it was wild to see. We've only seen in our in our memories of, you know, now late 20s, early 30s. Let's, we only really remember Marty Herney and David Gettleman, right? Like, we haven't – we don't remember Bill Polian because we were, like, five and eight and all that stuff. And you don't really remember that guy then. Yeah. So to see this style of a GM go through the draft was wild. It was it was just completely different. I wasn't mad about it because I know we've needed more picks. The roster's depleted. You know, there's only a couple superstars, maybe one superstar, and the rest are kind of shining stars. But the the more darts at the dartboard, the better chance. I mean, I, I'm with it. Caleb, how you know how'd you feel on that one? Yeah, I was all about it. You know, I. Uh, it's hard seeing all those left tackles go or those tackles go. But, but again, when you're taking a tackle in the second round, you never know what he's going to be. And we're in that, we're right in that scenario right now. We're go- exactly. We got Greg Little that was in the second round, and we don't know what to do with him. So, so you know, I'm, I'm, I was all on board with it. And, um, you know, I think it, Bill both said it. It felt like a big boy organization. It felt like we finally knew what we were doing and, and not just frivolously giving things away. We have the youngest team in the NFL now. We we had the most draft picks in the league this year. It just feels like there was a there was a mission, and regardless of you know outside noise or other people in the war room, Rule and Fitter had a plan and they executed it, and they got value with every pick. I mean, every single person in the second, third, fourth, and fifth round felt like, how's this guy still on the board? Uh, <laughs> you know, how'd they get this value here? I, my favorite pick of the entire draft is uh, Terrace Marshall. I think that dude is going to be really, really – I think he's a faster Plexico Burris, a better Devin Funches. I think he's got the body and the speed to be a wide receiver one. And, and you know, I think one thing we also addressed, other than the Brady Christensen thing, was, uh, you know, attitude. Because I feel like this team's very soft. And I feel like with J.C. Horn and Terrace Marshall, you got some dogs that are going to show up and have some fight in them. I, I loved it. And, you know, the more picks we can get, uh, more darts at the dartboard. And you kind of stole, you kind of stole my thunder there, Kevin. <laughs> who was your, uh, of all the picks, you know, who was your favorite pick? And you kind of already kind of 
spoke to that. So I'm just interested to hear who else, like, you know, Jeeves or Jacob, who's your, who was your favorite pick? Well, let Jeeves go since he's been quiet over there. Uh, look, okay, okay. I was figured I'd be quiet this whole, this whole podcast, <laughs> but I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I mean, I'm with, I'm with Caleb. I like that Terrence Marshall pick. That was a good pick up, good pick up for a wide receiver to offset for DJ Moore and uh, the, the other one that we have. But I like Terrence Marshall and also J.C. Horn, of course. Okay. Yeah, I mean, to that, the thing, the only, and I'm just bringing up Devil's Advocate is a lot of the picks. Well, Terrence Marshall and Chuba. And the Davion Nixon and the Keith Taylor and the Deontay Brown, they did have some – why did they slide? There was something in the background. And I hope – again, but the more darts from the dartboard prepares you for if you miss on those, you're not killing yourself as much. But, I mean, I think the big takeaway I had was I had never seen so many receivers taken below six foot that high in the draft. Yes. The guy, I think it was 2'2 or whatever, that was like 5'8", 150 pounds – that went in the top of the second round. Now, he can fly, but it was really wild to me to see all that happen. I mean, because when Terrace Marshall came up and he was 6'3", I was like, this dude's ginormous compared to the four other guys that just got taken in front of him. And I know that's because the league now, you know, Tyreek Hill effect, where if you you know, you don't have to be the 6'3", 6'5", whatever, at least six foot to play receiver and block. You can do everything. And now they're not, you know, you're not allowed to pound people over the middle, right? Like, your safeties yeah. just can't clean clock you. They can, but they're going to get fined, and they're not getting coached to do that anymore. So you're seeing yeah. these more of these spread guys where it's like, let's just get athletes on the field. So I did like that pick. It was like a, a you know, I guess the LSU, LSU, the the uh, Brandon LaFell years and years ago. He looks a little faster. Now I hope he can stay healthy. That was his only yeah. downfall is having those, you know, nicks and bangs and stuff. But, again, for that value and getting more picks out of the trade down, yeah, they, they missed out on some LTs, but I feel like we've been in LT purgatory forever as well. So I'm cool with the J.C. Hornet one, and I'm cool with the, uh, a flyer 6'3 guy. Safety net if Robbie Anderson gets a big deal next year, right? Because I think they yeah. want to re-sign D.J. Moore since they drafted him, or if one of them two have to leave kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then the Christensen, yeah, he can, he's a swing guy, right? Like the, He's a, a big athlete. He seems mature, 24 years old. You know, all good there. And then the the Tommy Trimble just some, seems like a guy that could be like the steal almost. You know, Gettleman made develops. it. Yeah, Gettleman made it known that hey, I like to take you know tight ends can be developed third, fifth, sixth round, all that kind of stuff. They took one right there in the heart of the third, and the guy just punishes people. All of his clips were of him just decleating and running people over. So to me, if you if he can already do that and he can block. You can add the pass catching, right? So okay. that to me might have been uh, one of my favorite picks, just because it seemed like they got like I mean they had that was two thirds in a second, and it felt like we were we were picking all night and moving all night. So <laughs> yeah, that, yeah just, Friday night was by far my favorite night. It was just fun. It just if, and then to fleece Houston like that, yeah, getting you know, getting two extra picks and this and a fourth next year. Yeah, it just felt it felt really nice because usually we're the team. Yes, being fleeced. Now, now um, I will so say uh, my my one A is Deontay Brown because that offensive guard from Alabama he looks like Blastoise. Like he just yeah. is built. Like like I think someone tweeted like that's the kind of guys you'd build in Madden when you were like creating players. That's the offensive lineman you would build. Just store big as shit and just you know everything. Yeah. So that that was pretty cool. And again. I'm not going to pretend I've known every single player sliding down, but all the experts say, oh, this guy should have gone at this round. And that DT from, yeah, from Iowa, uh, Iowa 
uh, Davion Nixon or whatever. I mean, another one. We we filled all the holes. Offensive line still questionable, but with eleven picks, and then then you really just get the wild long snapper there, which to me, JJ Jensen. It was good seeing you, but yeah, I, <laughs> his contract was no. They signed him as a safety insurance, and then they gave him no guaranteed money. So I'm guessing they'll either trade him come two or three week into the training camp, or I mean, I just can't see you picking a long snapper and not keeping that cheap guy on your team for four years. People were so pissed about that pick too, and what I don't understand is in the sixth round, sixth round. why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take somebody that's going to be on your team for the next eight to ten years I, I, instead yeah. of taking a flyer on somebody that's going to end up on your practice squad? Well, and it's suppo- like it, ma- it makes total sense. And supposedly this guy's like the creme de la Incredible. creme. Like his uh, dad, Rivera was going to pick him three picks later. His, when it was reported. his dad played in the league. He went like right after he graduated high school. He went to IMG Academy before he got to Alabama. And like train there, and then went to Alabama, and I mean Alabama's Alabama won championships. Never had a, they said you look at Alabama, so he never had a bad snap while he was there. Now this is the NFL; things can change. I mean, we saw the kicker from Florida State be the greatest of all time, and then shake him left and right. But this guy at least comes from. And Rule talked about pedigree, right? Like J.C. Horn, son, you know, father played in the NFL. This guy's uh, dad played in the NFL. So he's he's already been a professional about doing this thing since he was 18 coming out of high school. You know, all of us was worried about just partying it up, trying to get beer somewhere underage at ECU State and UNCG kind of thing. This guy was going out to an academy and, like, going ahead and snapping balls seriously. So, I And he was at Alabama, which is a totally different animal yes. as far as structure, too. So so that, that definitely helps, too. But, yeah, I, I love that as a six-round pick. It was funny seeing that. I think we were uh, – I think we were either – I think we were sitting down here in the basement – and I just looked up and saw the LS. I was like, long snapper. I was like, wait yeah. that. But I was like, well, round six, why not, right? Well, yeah. That's true. Well, well, I'll tell you, um, and, and all you guys' like, favorite picks, I, I, I really like those two. One that I kind of like liked was actually Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Um, just because of the simple fact of prior to the, the pandemic and everything, like I thought that he was probably going to be one of the top running backs coming off the board. And I think – if I'm not mistaken, I know they didn't have a good season at uh, was it Oklahoma State, yeah. and, and he kind of, I don't know if he was banged up, but he kind of yeah. was just like, you know, he kind of just kind of fell off and fell down the board, but he can fly, got track speed, um, somebody that can really maneuver and move, so if he's able to take five, ten carries off McCaffrey in certain situations that can give him more juice and give him, keep him fresher, I mean, why not do it, you know, so um, I think he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder just because of the simple fact he fell and he probably feels like he was just as good, if not better, than a lot of those running backs that went before him. And, I mean, I, I think he's going to be able to do a lot of that dirty work to kind of help out and kind of counter Christian McCaffrey because they were able to see what Mike Davis did when Christian was not in there. So if you're able to find somebody of lesser value with just as much fight in them and he's got a lot younger, you know, Tread on the tires, I, I would say definitely go for it. Um, but also the, the Marshall pick would have been my my second choice. You know, I the pre uh, the pre draft, I, I, I wanted uh, Jamar Chase. I wanted a receiver. So for us to get you know one of the top tier receivers in the second round, for, and if it wasn't for injuries or anything like that, there's a possibility that he could have went in the first round. You know, because based off his highlights and his ability, I mean, he was really good. And of course didn't have anybody to throw in the ball this year and you know he didn't benefit from that as much and of course injury so he's also the youngest person on our team now 
Like he, he's so and, young. And, yeah, exactly. And, and he's able to line up at any position. So he can play the slot. He can play outside, wherever you want to do. And, and, and I think he can kind of come in. And I'm not saying he's going to be just as much of an impact as Curtis Samuel was last year. But if you're able to kind of counter that, you've got McCaffrey coming back healthy, all that kind of stuff, I, I think it's a great spot. And then if we decide to let Robbie go, we've got a stud in DJ Warren. Then we've got another solid guy that can take the top off but also has size and has the ability to get in between, you know, and everywhere else. I think it was a great pick. So. And to your point, the Hubbard pick, his, one of his biggest strengths catching the ball out of the backfield, which I think is going to be huge for Sam. Uh, obviously Christian can do it, but having somebody spell Christian who can catch the ball, because Mike Davis couldn't. Mike Davis wasn't a catcher of the ball out of the backfield. So so having somebody who can do that instead of Christian, it's going to be big. Yeah. Uh, one thing's for sure, the Panthers addressed a lot of the offensive side of the ball. If Sam doesn't succeed in this offense, he's never going to succeed. In yes, yes, yes. Yep. No, like I said, this is it. I mean, Teddy looked decent and good some games. P.J. Walker won a game with us for throwing three picks in the game against Detroit. So, like I said, this is it. Darnold's last hurrah, if he ever wants to. I mean, he'll probably – Blaine Gabbert's still hanging around, so he'll keep getting those backup roles. But if he ever wants to be the starter, the guy, I mean, like you said, they've got the weapons now. The offensive line, still questionable. But I think they're Joe Brady's good enough scheming-wise to get around and get quick stuff to where, especially if McCaffrey's back, get the ball out, boom, boom. And I think to Duvall's point, yeah, I don't think – I don't see Terrace as a replacement for Samuel since he's a bigger guy. But – with McCaffrey back, he kind of takes over what Samuel did, right? And you can put Hubbard in there and let McCaffrey split out wide and sit in the backfield. And I think you kind of don't miss, you know, miss Samuel as much. And he's who cheaper. Was, who was the receiver from Seattle that we got? David Moore. Oh, David Moore. Yeah. He he he, he kind of reminds me more of Samuel too. He's yeah. a little smaller, can be a little gadgety too. So uh, you know, I think they addressed a lot of the stuff they lost. Yeah, I mean it's it's. It's like a, it was a good mix of needs, but also it didn't feel like they reached too much for anybody, right? Like the Terrace Marshall was kind of like, a, oh, he's there. Let's get him. We didn't necessarily need a receiver, right? But, hey, if the guy's there, he can take – he knows Joe Brady, knows his system, and the more weapons out there on the field, and if maybe one of the receivers leaves next year, you're good. But it doesn't hurt you overall if there wasn't a, a, a tackle that you could think even Greg Little – they couldn't beat out Greg Little. And then the Christensen, you yeah. take him in round three. I think he may be more of a guard, but with them, they may, you know, put him at tackle, put him at guard, put him at center, you know, all, all, all that kind all, of stuff. Albeit being BYU, he, he started three straight years at left tackle at BYU yeah. and, and was the highest rated left tackle in the in the country last year. So, again, they didn't play anybody, but, but yeah. still, I mean, the dude has, has the fundamentals to at least – what else do we have at left tackle? Uh, you know what I mean? So give them I, a I shot. Think, I think your first go at it is going to be Trent Scott, right? I 100%. Think, I think yep. it's Trent Scott, and I think – I don't know how they're going to treat Greg Little, if they're going to bury him down there. But in my mind, Cut the dude – he what? Well, no, he's still second-round pick on a cheat deal. Cut his ass. Cut his ass. I think you, you still need the depth. I think they'll put him somewhere at, at left tackle and let him see if he can come back because, you know – he still, I think, has the talent. The man's just got to stay healthy, and we'll figure it out there. But, you know, I'm not ready to cut bait on second rounders just yet. Caleb's already getting fired up about it. So, if anything. Well, we just cut bait with a $20 million contract. Who cares about Craig Little? 
They, they were able to find a quarterback before then. We're still a little thin on that offensive line. I, I think our offensive line is going to be better this year than last year. And I, our last year, our the offensive line last year was completely average. It wasn't terrible last year. True. We don't have an elite offensive line by any means, no, but I no. think it's going to be better this year than last year. And, and I'll kind of, and I'll kind of add to that, Caleb and kind of Jacob. Just eat the holes that we filled. If we didn't do anything else. We created a lot of competition. We didn't put like certain players in place where it was like, okay, you're coming in and you're immediately going to start or anything like that. Except now, for J.C. Horn. Yeah, that that is true. <laughs> but even though, even even putting him out there is still going to have a lot of people competing. That's true. You That's still true. got Dante yes. Jackson. You still got A.J. Bouye, and you still got the Troy, other guy. That Troy they, Pride, uh, they drafted last year in the third. Ex- exactly. And then they got a couple. Then they drafted a corner and what? Round five, two? Yeah, Stanley Oliver Thomas. Yeah, so so I mean those guys are still gonna compete and um really try and find a way. The same with the offensive line. I mean, Greg Little's gonna wanna play. He's not gonna wanna sit on the bench, you know, so he's gonna have to find a way. And if you're able to move a guy from left tackle to guard, if that's his better position or whatever the case is, one thing they're gonna do is compete. And I, I'm I'm glad to see that. Even at the defensive tackle position, I mean it's gonna be a lot of opportunities to compete down in Spartanburg where as I don't know if that's been the case it was to me I didn't feel like it was the case last year no no well, let me let me ask you guys this what do you consider a successful draft like I know you can't mark that right now but I'm saying in, in three years what would make this a successful draft because to me usually if you find two or three long-term starters in a draft you, you've had a really successful draft right because if you look back at the Hornets or I'm sorry the Panthers drafts in years past they don't have two or three starters from every draft, you know? So, so to me, two or three starters from every draft is successful. And looking through these names and 11 picks, there's a pretty good chance you found two or three guys that are going to be long-term Panthers probably starting on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I always try to temper and not get too high or too low because I remember, like, someone wrote something up after the Panthers went and lost that Super Bowl, and they were like, oh, Benet Ben Wickery would have went in the first round. Trey Balson would have went in the first round. And those guys flamed out faster than anybody. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah it'll take probably at least three to four years on some of these guys, quicker on others if they flame out or, you know, screw up. Successful draft, I mean, I guess, obviously, if you take a at pick eight, he should be an all-pro by, what, year four, right? or at least competing at a high level and shutting down – you should be able to put him on top receivers and shut him down. Like, he should be able to hold Michael – you know, uh, Mike Evans, the two or three catches, all that stuff. And then Marshall, to me, would be stepping up and starting and putting up at least by, – by year two. By year two, if he's if he's starting, and he should at least put up 800 and, what, three, four touchdowns, five. Um, and then Christian, if he just – for Christian, he's a, is a solid star. So, yeah, I mean, out of 11 picks, let's realistically say, I mean, shit, if you got six out of this, which I don't think is possible, though, that every pick seems good, yeah, I mean, some of these guys are just going to be journeymen, right, where maybe they stay there. They're not the best of the best. They're not the lowest of the lowest. But, yeah, yeah. successful draft would just be, you know, a handful of these guys being able to contribute, contribute. To, contribute to the team, right? Like, I always look at round to me rounds one through four. You're hoping to eventually get a starter out of that, right? Rounds yeah. five through seven, I just say you just take your flyers and you're hoping if you get a if you get a Richard Sherman, if you get a guy, you know, a Donald Driver or somebody late 
and he can then you're just you're cooking with gas. But you know if you can just if they can stick, you know the long snapper. Yeah, if that long snapper snaps for 12, 15 years off for the Panthers, never has a bad snap. That's a success. Now, yeah, hopefully J.C. Horn and Terrace and all them do good too. But that would be me just getting getting starters enough starters and quality players. You know, one guy we haven't talked about is Shy Smith. And, and yeah. you know, I, again, I, I'm I'm ho- I'm assuming he's going to make the roster. You know, as maybe like the fifth or sixth receiver slash return guy. But you know, he everybody from Columbia loves him. Yeah. I mean, I I, didn't, I never watched South Carolina games, <laughs> but everybody says he's great. And, and so, um, you know, I think he's somebody that can also be that gadget um, Curtis Samuel replacement. Yeah. Now, what was funny is. The Panthers had never drafted any players from South Carolina. Well, that doesn't make sense. I saw someone say that, but they drafted Trayvon Wharton. Trayvon Wharton went there. It was well, Clemson. Yeah, he did, he did. Well, someone yeah, must have put out a, from somebody put out a fake stat and said they hadn't, and they drafted. Maybe it was like the last ten years they hadn't drafted anybody from South Carolina. Didn't they, they draft Captain Munnerlyn too? He was a seventh so, rounder. Yeah. So him and yeah, Trayvon. So this is why now it's now it's not making sense to me. Maybe they said in the last ten years because that was like early two thousands or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. To me, though, I always the Shy Smith kind of reminds me of um, that returner from Arkansas. Who do we have? Who? What was his name? That was like he took him in the fourth round a couple years ago. Joe Adams, Joe Adams, oh. and then Ryan Robinson, yeah, speed yeah, yeah. guy who you think and they've been returning punts, and then all of a sudden they get in the league and they start fumbling it. So yeah. I again I try to temper because he's a six round pick. There's a reason he fell. I'm with you, Caleb. You know, I know you're feeling good on the highs, but with the six round pick, I hope he does good. He can't do it. We hadn't talked about him, but you know, realistically, half of these guys are gonna burn out at somewhere. But yeah, he absolutely they he could definitely be it. Smaller guy, shifty guy, but that talk about Duvall's competition. That receiver room is is I'm locked and loaded, yes. man. Yeah, and I I love it. I mean, and then you can argue. I mean. You can argue the tight end room might be a little, yeah. a little dicey too. You know, um, you know. But yeah, I, I mean, to, to Caleb's question, I think out of the eleven picks, if I can get, if I can get four, I, I'll say three and a possible. I'll say three solid, and then if we get the long snapper, which would be four, which would be special team star, whatever the case is. But if we can get the receiver, we get the corner, and then we can get one of those offensive linemen to just be you know, solid, and they don't necessarily have to be, you know, career Panthers, but if they can get, if we can get three, four, maybe five, six years out of them at a high level, and then they might have to go somewhere else and get paid, but they're able, we're able to get a lot out of them while they're here. I mean, I think that's a successful draft. And of course, each one is a little different and kind of to what you said, like outside of usually the first to second round picks over the past few years, we haven't really gotten anything. I couldn't, Think of a, a draft where we've gotten multiple picks in that same draft that have been very successful. I can't think of one. The 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 year the last year I recall would be the Ryan Khalil, uh, Charles Johnson, John Beeson, uh, and then a couple years later that would have been the draft I think was one of the deepest because they got three or four guys that ended up being really really good out of that class. Um, but it has been a while. I mean, the last latest pick, I think Greg Hardy was, what, a six-rounder that ended up paying off, and then he had his crazy self go off the rails. Yeah. But it's been a while since we've had a late pick kind of shine, but we've traded a lot of them away, you know. 
we've never had 11 picks in any of the drafts any of us have watched. So I think that's what's crazy is coming out of this, you're like, oh, it's all the, you know, Scrooge McDuck in here with all the all the gold. You know, you're, you're hoping they're all, all 11 are going to be great, and it's so good to be, you know, crazy right now. But I try to just keep it a little even kill and figure, okay, they're all going to make it, but they could be good. That was kind of my point to the question is, you know, we had six picks coming in here, and you'd be lucky to hit on two or three. And yeah. now we have 11, and I'd still feel lucky to hit on two or three. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, so you said five or six, right? and five or six would be incredible. Yeah. Uh, just finding three, you know, five, seven-year guys out of this would be a highly successful draft. Yeah. Which, which again goes back to the point of trading back and getting these eleven picks and throwing dart at dartboards and getting value with every pick you have. Uh, that's why I was so happy. Yeah. I think draft grades are dumb. You can give them an A, you can give them an F. Nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. So so that's why, you know, the more picks and, and the more value you get with those picks, the better. And I think that's what they did so yeah. well this And I think you brought up a good point earlier is just saying how it felt like we had a like a, a like what is it the word I'm looking for? Like a, a system, a plan in place. Where like you said in other drafts it's like Oh, you draft DJ Moore, who was one of the best athletes, and then all of a sudden you take Rashawn Golden in the third round, who tested terribly as an athlete, and you talked about it. So at least here, it literally, they took all the way up until like maybe the sixth or seventh round when you're just taking flyers on God, and they were like, they took elite athletes. All of them, all of these guys tested off the charts, athletic, elitely, all the way to like the fifth round, right? And then it got down to like, okay, in the fifth, from fifth, from fifth to the seventh, just take guys you like. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that, at least you said, and they had a play. Let's trade back. But let's not trade too far back to where we're not getting the players we like. So it did feel like at least there was a system, and we could follow it, and I understood the system, unlike previous years where I thought I did, and they took a right turn, and, and then they tried to explain it some other way. Right. Yeah, it felt like they had a bundle of guys, and they said, all right, we're at 39. If we go back to 52, at least a couple of them will still be there. And, and it felt like that's why they made that move. And then – they got to 52 and they were like, well, we still have a bundle of guys that'll be there at 59. So let's go back again. You know what I mean? It just felt like they had a plan and they knew how the board was going to fall. And, and, you know, they knew they'd miss out on some of their guys, but they weren't going to miss out on everybody. Yeah. And and it it just felt like they had a plan and they weren't going to like be scared to lose Cosme from Texas or, or Jenkins from Oklahoma state. They were like, we don't care if those guys are gone. We're going to go back to 59, get more picks, and still get a guy we love. Yeah. You know, with that being said, and and this is why I kind of sat back and I thought about it. Like, you know, no matter what type of draft, what everybody else has, is it kind of odd to kind of sit there and say, these motherfuckers had a plan versus other times where you're just like, are they just like saying, hey, we're going to go with whatever. You know, like like you kind of sit back and you say to yourself, like, wait a minute now. Like, we've been dealing with this for the past – I don't know, seven, eight years, if not longer. And you're like, you know what? And at the time, just like we look back, we're like, ah, we don't know. We'll see what happens. But actually, this is probably the first year we're like, you know what? Shit, like they got a lot of picks. They got a lot of shots. And you know, the more opportunities you got, the better chance you get. And even if some of these cats don't pan out, kind of like we said, for for five, six, seven, eight years, if they can hold it down for two, yeah, you know, you know, you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, like we got gold in a couple years ago. He didn't play well at all while he was here. Yeah. You know, so if we could get him to hold it down for two, three years, you know, it's like 
that's still a successful draft to me. And to Jacob's point, you know, Christensen ends up being a left guard. If he if he can be a left guard for four to five years, that still solidifies the position yeah. we don't have right now. Yeah. Because left guard was worse than left tackle at a lot of times yeah. last year. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I just said graph, draft grades mean nothing. And I know this is terrible podcasting because I don't know exactly the metric system he had. But Daniel Jeremiah had a list of 150 players, and he had some kind of metric system. No, it was – I know what he did. He said his – First overall player at 150, his first overall is worth 150 points. And his last one, the 150 rank was worth one point. So Panthers by far were the number one team with their 11 picks in that in his rankings. Yeah. Um, so, And I know that's just one guy and some people gave him Bs and, some people, and that, they don't really mean anything. But it just goes to show you the amount of value they got where they got him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's like I said, and I think with the team still rebuilding those eleven picks, I don't think every year you can do that because nope. you're not going to be able to take on eleven guys. But with how talent deple- uh, depleted our roster is, you can swing, make more swings, and add more of that juice. We have the youngest team in the NFL as of right now, going into 2022. Next year, we have the most cap space of any team in the NFL. Now, there's a lot of yes. contracts yep. we got to resign, yep. <laughs> but but we have a lot of cap space. The youngest team in the NFL. I don't care if we, you know what, if they identify a player they love next year, I don't care if we move up and get two players in the draft next year. As long as, I think at this point of the organization in the rebuild, they did the right thing. It doesn't mean it's the right thing next year. Yeah. It just felt like for the first time that we did something we really need. And next year, like I said, if they see a quarterback they love at number one and they feel like that's the only position missing with the cap space they have and everything, go up and get it and trade everything else away. Uh, you know, it. you got to make a plan every single year. And it felt like they did, and it felt like they executed it this year. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. We'll wait and see what happens on the field and all that stuff. Now, another little point that came out yesterday, Luke Keekley quietly walked away from the scouting. Now, I thought it was very interesting when he did retire. He immediately went into working in one of the grindiest positions in the NFL. Like, they talk about when you're a scout – one year on the road and you're there long and you're like it's it's almost worse now obviously he wasn't getting paid as the first annual scouts usually do or whatever but i just thought with all that money why if you're going to retire step away from a little bit and spend some of that money doing yeah. stuff so see seeing him less than a year you know actually doing that good for him it seems like he is just trying to like go fish and hunt and live his life and spend some of that 60 to 80 million that he got in endorsements and he's still making some money in endorsements and the Panthers are still paying him because he had all the, you know, he still had two years or three years left on that contract. So yeah. how, how, you know, anybody else have any thoughts on him stepping away and. Um, um I, I think, and I, I think, I don't know if it was you or Lewis that said it. I think he realized that you kind of just spoke to it. He didn't realize the grind that it was <laughs> being, Scout, and I mean, you know, you got to think about it. If you're on the road 70, 80 percent of the year, you got a girlfriend, you got family, you know, you're missing a lot of things. And still during the pandemic, you still got to get out and scout. These guys still had to get out and do what they had to do. Um, He probably felt like, well, damn, I feel like I'm still working. Like The only difference is I'm just not getting hit in the head every day. You know, so I I, I think he's probably realized that he's probably sat – Talk to other former teammates, Greg Olson, Thomas Davis, all those guys that have retired. And some will, Greg will probably is going into what the news and shit like that. So it's like. He's going into broadcasting. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? 
maybe I need to step away from this. I can always I can always come back. Oh, he'll always have a gig. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll always have he'll always have a job with the Panthers. Probably yeah. it may not be scouting, but it might be something smaller. And he probably may have even looked and seen how much work whatever Julius Peppers had been doing with the team. And he's like, wait a minute, why am I doing this fucking much? <laughs> and I'll try to step away from this, you know. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I'm pretty sure this will be time for him just to re, re kind of with anything, you know, you kind of want to step away from the game and just really be away from it, you know. And I think he can for him to just be on Sundays to just sit home and watch the game. He probably may not have really had an opportunity to even watch any game because he might have been traveling, scouting, or visiting kids, or whatever the case is. So yeah. I'm happy for him. You know, I, he should ride off in the sunset. I'm the I'm the king of overreactions, and, and when I saw this yesterday, <laughs> I was like, oh well, that makes total sense. I mean, you know, I mean, people were freaking out like this shows like rules not great. You know what I mean? Everybody had to have a deeper meaning. I was just like. He he's rich and yeah. like you just said he, he's working his ass off. He just wants to yeah. go home and do nothing. Yes, yes. It, it makes total total sense. And and he also might not have been very good at it. You know, <laughs> he might have or not loved it. You know, yeah. he might not have. He might have. He also when he retired, he probably felt terrible for the organization and wanted to try to help out, and then realized I'm not really helping in this role. So <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really think much of it when I saw it, other than good for him. And yeah. Go spend your money. I hope he stays in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, I hope he doesn't move back home. I hope him and his girlfriend stay here because I know he's good for the community and obviously good to be around the team. Yeah, like to me, I just thought, he, you know, when he first retired, I figured that's when you like travel around, right? And you go hunting, fishing, and you just travel, do whatever. And then that, I know the pandemic kind of slowed everything down on that in aspect, but to try to, as we all have, grind and work from home and do whatever during the pandemic. We have to because we're not multimillionaires. He could have yep. just been kicking it and chilling and still yep. traveling because he's got all the money too and been yep. fine with it. And so that was always, you know, to me, of course, if I had all this money, why would I immediately work again? Now, yeah, a couple years down the road, maybe he'll go do it. But, yeah, good for him and, and glad to see him and get out there. But before Should we I get – Go ahead, Caleb. I, know that I hope they uh, sign Dan Morgan because uh, oh, yeah. those reports yeah, came out yeah. yesterday that – they're, they're trying to hire an assistant GM, and all reports lead to him being an amazing executive within the Bills organization, a really good talent evaluator. And it, and he worked with Fitter in Seattle. So so it would be really nice to bring him back here and, and you know, have somebody to work with that team. Well, back to it, and I have had my qualms with uh, David Tepper. We didn't talk about also the pivot to no real grass on the field. Yeah. They slid that in. And then 15 minutes later, immediately announced the trade of Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. I hide it. I absolutely hate it. I have You talk about hills to die on. I will die on the hill of football should be played on real grass. I understand it's not my money. He's done a lot of things that I have questioned. But since, but again, he's the richest guy. He can do what else is his team. I don't like it. I understand the reasoning. I know why they want to do it because of all the soccer, all the concerts he wants to throw, and football and all that stuff. But I just hope we don't see some shredded knees up on that field and more concussions go up. And I do hope whenever he does decide to build his brand new stadium that he wants to build where that Charlotte pipe foundry is, he does what the Arizona Cardinals do and they have a retractable roof and they can roll that thing in and out so we can go back to real grass because real grass to me, there's something about going to a stadium and there's real grass on the field, especially when we have an open dome. It just, if, if Green Bay can have real grass, why can't we have real grass? 
And, and you know something, and this is also when I thought about it too. Also, this is one of those situations where our eras a little different. So we only knew grass. Like we weren't fucking with turf. So now you go to certain high schools and they're playing on turf. Yeah. So I guess that's one of those things that technology transitioning, all that is cheaper, all that shit. And I guess as rich as he is, he still doesn't want to spend more on grass. I, I get that part, but hell you can roll out fucking grass. Like yeah. you can roll it out and roll it back yeah. up. Like yeah. it's not that difficult, but you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of it. Uh, Jacob, you make a good point when he does build this new stadium a block away from the old stadium, you know, and I'm, what's yeah, happening, Caleb? Yeah, don't you worry. It's going. Listen, I, it's going to be. I just don't want it to be in Rock Hill or something. No, sure. no, it's, no. It's going, no, it's going there. Yeah. No. It's too it, much money. Don't downtown. worry, we'll be we'll be at the forty. We'll be in like the forties and fifties before he does it. But he's making yeah. sure that Jerry Richardson statue comes down, and he's making sure he can have Final Fours, championships, yeah. all that shit there. Yeah, and, and yeah, and he'll use he'll use the other stadium as soccer or whatever else they want to do, or, or they might demolition it and and put some apartments or something up. Who knows? You see how many apartments are going up here in Charlotte. So yeah. who knows? But I, I I just hope that when he does make that transition, they do go back to grass. But, I mean, yeah. this team will be probably blown up and it will be a whole other set of guys that might actually be more prone to turf. You know, because, I mean, you think about it. If we were coming up in this day and age, we probably wouldn't have had an issue with turf because we would have been kids playing in turf. But when turf was first coming out, there were so many people getting turf toed. Michael Vick, when he was in Atlanta, you remember he broke his ankle? He yeah, but even – I'll say this. The Players Association, though, they just took a big hit because they encouraged players not to practice at the field, and then that guy just tore his Achilles. But Bro, they were exactly. they were saying all the new stadiums, they were hoping – they were wanting them to open with grass because it has been proven that more knee injuries happen, concussions and all that kind of stuff. But – I get why he's doing it. I am also glad that the pandemic came around because I think Taylor Tepper wanted to go full dome where he didn't want to have a retractable roof because of all that. And when the pandemic came around, he realized if another one of these things hits, you can actually, with an open-air stadium, have events. Whereas in Atlanta, with the, or with a place with a closed dome, you can't. So that was good as well that he realized that because I was going to be really upset if he makes it a closed dome. Because I feel like half – Half of our game, all our season games, I mean, have been great when it's open air. Our, our weather's not that bad. We have a couple rains every now and then, but I love a good rainy football game. But I know I should enjoy those because he's going to take them away here soon enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to see. I'm the, the turf thing annoyed me because a, I love the real grass yeah. as well. I think it looks cool on TV, and obviously the injury aspect of things. But I, the thing that annoys me is I just want this new stadium to go ahead and start happening. And I feel like, and, and I feel like all these millions of dollars they're they're pouring into B of A that it's just prolonging what's gonna the, the inevitable. Like it's gonna happen. So let's just go ahead and get the show on the road. Tell us where it's gonna be. Tell us how much. Hey, them and, hey, the lawyers for that Charlotte Pipe Foundry and David Tepper's are going at it right now. Tepper's trying to Tepper's trying to dig up some dirt on somebody, somebody, somewhere so he can sell it. But, but they know that money. They said, oh, you want this spot? Well, we're about to set up a whole generation of Pipe Foundry for the rest of our lives from your, from your $11.2 billion ass. So. <laughs> I'll tell you what they need to do. They need to make 
tear everything down on Moorhead Street and make it a walking bars and restaurants yeah. because <laughs> because everything that's been there's been there since the 1940s yeah. and doesn't even work anymore. Yeah. So, so like I don't know what's going on because I could yeah. do some prime real estate. Yeah. Well, well, if you keep on going down and you go into 77, you do have like nice apartments and all. Yeah, they built all the way down there. there. Yeah, yeah, the West Side really blowing up over there. Yeah. Yeah, but if you come back up the other way, all you got is Uptown Cabaret. And, <laughs> well, that's okay. We, we don't have to mess with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can stay. That can stay. Uh, all right. So outside of the Panthers, was there a team that surprised you in making moves? I'll start. I think the Giants finally trading back multiple times was surprising to me. I mean, David Gettleman finally was just tired of hearing everyone kill him for not trading back, and he did it twice. And I think he got good deals on both of them. So, uh, I have two, I think, uh, a, a good surprise, not necessarily a whole draft, but the Panay sold to Detroit. I mean, yeah. that's a huge win yeah. for them for a rebuilding team. Um, I, I think the biggest eye-opening surprise was Houston taking a quarterback with their first draft pick. It kind of shows that yeah, they're done with the Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's a because they already have Tyrod down there, um, so so they obviously aren't expecting Deshaun to be back, whether it's because of legal stuff or or a trade. So I, I thought that one really surprised me. Yeah, I don't. I, I kind of was on that same trade, same same thing as far as Houston because I just wasn't really anticipating that. Um, I'm, I'm really interested. But I, Duvall, I mean, I, you kind of had like. I, I, mean, think... I mean, it was you had to do it, but it was just like. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I think it's admitting he's gone. Though. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to set sail the ship just yet because, you know, I think he's at least gone for the first half of the year, right? Like I don't know what's going to happen, and we don't have to speak to all of it and it, whatever. Yeah. It's bad stuff, regardless. But I think if somehow it all gets acquitted, they at least suspend him for what six to eight or eight games, and he gets it knocked down to six or something like that, or he's gone for the whole season. I don't because there's you know even if that's the case you trade I mean to me they're gonna have the one pick next year I mean they didn't get better at all like like they didn't they they yeah. traded away assets they traded they signed a bazillion free agents I mean they didn't get better uh, and guess what well that means we're gonna have the first pick in the fourth round next year yeah exactly yeah so so I mean like I mean I literally look at them and like you said they didn't pick till the third they took a quarterback. I feel like they're going to almost be in purgatory. They've been in purgatory even with Deshaun before all these shenanigans. But, yeah, I mean. Well, I good for them. I, I wish the Panthers would have gone all in on losing last year. That's true. And would have had the number. Well, you know what? They didn't I, play, I'd rather go 0-16 than 5-11. and 11 they, they didn't plan on going all in on losing this year until until the massage yeah. therapist came out. And then it was true. like, okay. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. But then them trading the fourth next year knowing they're going to stink was a wild move. I mean, just the, that, that was just that was weird on their part as well. Plus so. two more picks this year. Yeah, like, that, it was just crazy. Yeah, it was so. insane. All right, Duval, back to sorry to interrupt you on that. But. Yeah, well, well, that, that was it. I, I didn't necessarily have anybody that kind of really caught my eye. By the way, Houston's not the best with making trades because you see what they did with Laramie Tunson. So let's let's just and DeAndre Hopkins. It's very you know, but I mean, I I, I don't know, man. I um. I'm interested to see what the Falcons do as far as Julio. Are they gonna um, roll the dice one last time? I think time they're all in next year. Yeah. Are they gonna try and do June first? You know, to try and trade and find something. I think um, unless unless think somebody so comes, somebody comes and offers them a one or two ones, a one and a three. 
the Ravens do. I think, I mean, they took Kyle Pitts, so that means they want to give it one run because they've got a shit ton of money in, in uh, Matt Ryan, shit ton of money in Julio. Let's give it one more run. If it doesn't work, then at the offseason, that's when you blow that thing up and you try to get yeah. what you can out of Matt Ryan and Julio and Gil with Calvin Ridley and, and whatever else, and Kyle Pitts. But I think they'll uh, stick them there. I have two more, too. I, I think the Raiders taking Alex Leatherwood in the first round was a huge head scratcher. Yeah. He was like the he was like the 10th rated offensive lineman or yeah. offensive tackle, and they took him at 17. Um, and then I thought the Cowboys had a terrible draft. Yeah. I thought Micah Parsons was fine, but other than that, they were taking guys that people were saying that they thought were going to go undrafted. So, yeah. well, uh, it's, the Cowboys didn't it's like the Cowboys to me almost panicked. Like they they were hoping uh, Justin Fields, someone would trade up for them, and then a corner would slip. And then once J.C. Horn and Sertan were gone, they were like, oh shit, oh shit, trade back, trade back two, trade back two. And then like, okay, Michael Parsons there. Okay, we don't have to pick up Vander Esch's option. We'll just take him. Okay, cool. And but again, that's what should when Vander Esch got drafted what four years ago. I had scratched that one not because they had Sean Lee, but they took the same guy like Sean Lee that's always hurt. And it was like, why are you doing it now? Michael Parsons could be something. He's got some character concerns. That was why he slid. He would have been higher, I think, with not some of that immaturity that the others were talking about. But they seem to be spinning tires, right? Like, where was the – I mean, they got some help for for Dak, but uh, I don't know. I'm with you on that, Caleb. It just seemed like they kind of panicked and then they took certain players. I don't know. I'm not a believer in Dak either, so I I don't think – I think the word, I think they're stuck at seven and nine, eight and eight, or whatever the seventeen game. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a product of his system, but I mean, he got Zeke. He's got a decent offensive line. He's got a couple of receivers. You know, I, I think he's a product of his system. No, no, not, not saying he's not a good quarterback. Yeah. He is, but he's a product of his system. In my I, 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 but I, I, take him out of Dallas, and he's the backup to me. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. I, but I, 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 I mean, was though I called the pick of of. Jamar Chase going to the Bengals, I find it just wild that they don't take Penny Sewell there with your quarterback getting destroyed. I mean, it was you're sitting there, it, it doesn't no get it, it doesn't get any easier than that. And like you say, with Detroit, you, you you run to the board and take him immediately. So that, you know, that to me is just wild, but I guess they're gonna go with a bunch of scrubs out there for offensive linemen. We'll see if Joe Burrow can do it, but you know, that was kind of a, a questionable kind of move there. And it was wild seeing the Seahawks only had three total picks. I oh, mean, yeah. that that was just wow. – but, again, they've invested in another way. They they went and traded for players. I think they probably overpaid for Jamal Adams. I think now they're probably kicking themselves for paying. I mean, they still owe the Jets their first-round pick next year for Man. Jamal Adams and – to me, unless he's a Ed, first, yeah, unless he's a Ed Reed or a Troy Palomalu type, that yeah. they traded, they over traded for him. So I don't know. I mean, I I couldn't agree more with the Bengals. I mean, it, your your franchise players coming off an ACL tear because you don't have an offensive line, and, and you take a great, might be a generationally talented receiver, but. The Bengals fans saw AJ Green, and AJ Green did nothing for them. They got him at first round exits every year. So, so it's like when you have a franchise quarterback that's 23 years old, 
coming off an ACL injury, why wouldn't you take a, the best left tackle to come out in years? And the thing it, is, is usually no you, you don't get the chance to get the top tackle because your quarterback's good enough to lead you to, to like a couple more wins where you're sitting there in the yep. teens, right? Well, he blasted yep. his knee of pieces where they didn't ha- they sat there at four and they're able to get the top right offensive lineman and they still <laughs> passed him up. So that to me, it was it was a wild move. I mean, but it's crazy yeah. to go back and I remember reading something how. The Bengals throughout their history of their team have always coveted first round receivers. Back to Chris Collinsworth, to the AJ yeah. Greens. Like, so it kind of told you how they, you know, they don't value offensive linemen as much, but it still is weird how organizations can carry stuff through multiple regimes. But if that owner's still there, he kind of can have a little bit of a press down, like, well, how about we recreate that Bengals offense, but the Tigers offense down there in LSU? Hey, little nugget that I'll beat beaten to the ground. Sam Darnold is younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah, which is crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, now that was uh, that was good. But all right, we we went over favorite players. We're about here till the end. Four hour. Does anybody have a final question we could use for our warehouse distillery wine under the bridge notebook that they've got? They want to get out their final draft. I I mean, I would say which quarterback that got taken. And the the top what the all the all the quarterbacks which one which two do you think is going to be a bust and which two do you think is going to be the ones that are going to be stars? Before I get to that, I don't know. Did anybody watch the uh, RG three interview about how Kirk Cousins was going to react to Kellen Mond being drafted? Mm-hmm. So they asked him. They asked him like, "How's you know? How do you think Kellen Mond's going to do?" And he he kind of gave that smirk like. Trust me, Kirk's not going to like it because they literally drafted a guy that's exactly opposite of what Kirk yeah. is. Like he, He's extremely accurate. He's got a live arm and all that stuff. So that should be interesting. But to go to Jeep's question, who – I mean, obviously to me, Trevor Lawrence I think is the surest thing since Andrew Luck. And then the Colts just didn't predict Andrew Luck and his shoulder was done and his knee. And he was like, fuck yeah. this. I've got a brain. I'm not going to – I've got hundreds of millions of dollars. So yeah. I think that's the easiest, taking him off the board. I think Zach Wilson's going to bust City. I just think he, in New York, I've said it for the past three or four podcasts, I just don't think he's going to be ready. His throwing lanes, you talked about Christensen giving him space, his throwing lanes at BYU were unreal. He's going to be getting blasted upon blasted upon blasted, and then pretty little blue eyes are going to be seeing ghosts just like Sam Darnold. That's who I think would be the big – and then to me, I also think the Patriots might have entered quarterback purgatory Mac Jones, I think, is good. I think he will kind of redshirt this year, barring Cam getting hurt or something like that. But it'll be interesting to see. I think they might start churning through some quarterbacks once they, you know, Belichick's realized, damn, Brady really did make it a whole lot easier when he was here yeah. kind of thing. So those would be my two. I'd say Zach Wilson and Mac Jones if I had to throw it down. Uh, for the t- Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. I agree, is the most sure thing to come out since I can remember. Um, and then I think Trey Lance is going to be a star. Uh, a, I think he's going to develop uh, to be a good thrower and, and all that good stuff. But I also think that roster and offensive system is just built for people to, to do well. Um, and I think I think he's I think those two are the surest things. Um, now Trey Lance went somewhere else to New York or wherever. I think that would be a question mark. But going to San Fran, I think is the best thing for him. Bust, uh, I agree. I think it's Zach Wilson and Matt Jones, and you know, same reasons. I, I just don't think they'll. I don't think they'll 
be very good. And I don't yeah. think they're in very good situations. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'll kind of piggyback off that. And, and excuse me, of course, Lawrence. But I think Lance, and, and I know we spoke about Dak Prescott. I think Trey Lance is going to be everything that they want Dak Prescott to be, but he's just not. I think just the system that they have in San Fran and continue to put some talent around him, I think he'll be very, very good. Um, I'm really rooting for him. Um, I think uh, definitely uh, Zach Wilson and uh, I, 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 I kind of – I'm on the fence about Justin Fields because I wanted him so bad. I just don't know if the system that they have in place in Chicago is going to allow him to really thrive. Because, I mean, they're, they've got a decent defense with Khalil Mack, and he's doing okay there. But I just don't know. I just hope he's able to have some pieces around him to kind of help him. But um, I would say definitely going to be Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And I think, uh, I guess, a 2B would probably be Justin Fields. And I don't want him to – not thrive in Chicago. I wish him nothing but the best in Chicago, and I hope they even bring him some talent around it. But definitely Lawrence and Lance are going to be definitely really good ball players. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw on that day two Steve Smith breaking down Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. No. And he basically, it was, you know, Steve Smith, you, you love him or hate him because he's so blunt about stuff. And he's like, look, Andy Dalton takes you from point A to point B. Justin Fields takes you from point A to point C, which is championships. Because I would love for Andy Dalton to come, you know, take my daughter on a date. But to leave my football team, absolutely not. I don't want any part of him. <laughs> so, you know, that to me, I had, yeah, it was. That's it it was fantastic. It was, he's gotten better at this TV thing. So, Field as well. I don't know if he's ever going to get superstar status. I kind of look at it as I think he'll be very good and have some very good games. But the injuries and being in that cold weather may hold him back on some of those things. Yeah. And – I don't know if that coaching staff is going to be in win now. And they're already talking about, we'll see when he's ready. Look, you didn't trade a first overall next year to, for him to sit behind Andy Dalton. Let's be honest. He's going to play. I understand coach speak. I understand football speak. But once you see both of those arms live in practice, you're going Justin Fields. I, I'm already dreading him throwing for like 250 and three touchdowns week one and Charlotte burning to the ground. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> no. It, he could have an RG3 type rookie year, and I still oh, won't man. be a believer. Yeah. I mean, okay. where's RG3 now? Like, yeah. it, 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 you know, rookie years happen all the time. I don't believe in Lamar Jackson either. Oh. I, you know, so like, I, I believe I in don't. Lamar Jackson. When he came back from shitting his pants and went and yeah. took a fucking team to win, that's legendary right there. I don't think yeah. Lamar Jackson will ever win a Super Bowl. Wow. I'll just say that. I, I, I think it's more so the talent around him. I don't think it's Lamar Jackson. See, y'all, y'all dropping in the podcast for August and September right now. What y'all <laughs> yeah. doing, right? Okay, my bad. No, I'm just saying generically. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying this year. I'm just saying I just don't really. No. I just feel like Justin Fields is on that level. Same same reason why Tampa Bay was going to miss the playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all miss. Right? Yeah. We all miss. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and to your point, Caleb, I think I think – and and I know I know this is for a pod for another day, but as far as Lamar Jackson, I just don't want them to do him like they did Vic in Atlanta. Yeah, and that's what that's for them to trade away their left tackle and for them to to, to some of the moves that they're making. I just hey, worry that they're going to treat him as long as he ain't dogfighting, he'll be all right, man. True, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> if, if he don't have no help, that's, that's going to be the one thing I'm going to wonder yeah, about. They man. do need to get some receivers, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get in that. We'll see. It's, it still yeah, is only yeah. May. A lot of time left for a lot of things to happen. But, yeah, we'll go ahead and, and sign it off. Anybody final thoughts before we do sign it off? No? I got I, 
I'd love me some Scott Fitterer, baby. Yeah. <laughs> all, all right. So I uh, appreciate y'all, y'all coming out as always. Yeah, we'll see you next time. But Caleb, since you've been all two weeks in a row, let's see if you remember how do we end the podcast. Peace.